Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Well, good morning. My name is Chrislyn Durham. I am one of the pastors here, and we are glad that you could join us this morning. As we continue in this time of worship, um, do know that we are in a sermon series where we are talking about Fred Rogers, and we're, we're seeing and hearing some of the words that he has spoken over his life um, through Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Know that throughout the 24th and last chapter of Luke, which is where we will be today, uh, we will find several sightings in that book, in that chapter of Jesus appearing to people. The first one that we find is Jesus appearing to the women. And they go back and they tell the disciples what they have seen and what they have heard, only to be told that they were wrong and no one believed them. Typically, uh, you would find uh, some other stories, uh, but in the book of Luke, you find a story that you find nowhere else, and that is found in Luke 24, 13 through 35, and that is where we will pick up this morning. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all of this, it now is the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find the body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things 
and then enter into his glory. Then, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Loving and holy God, we are here. We pray that over these next few moments that you might open our own eyes, open our hearts, help us to receive from you this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. In New York City, on September 11th, 2001, planes struck the Twin Towers, causing instant chaos, devastation, and so much pain. In that moment and the moments that would follow, the world changed. In the States, everything came to a halt as everyone just sat in front of their TVs not knowing what to do next or what this even meant. Throughout the year that followed, we would see and learn many things, some beautiful, like the helpers who came to show up and helped, some heartbreaking, like those who lost their lives, some just downright confusing, still questioning why and struggling to grasp with how to deal with this new reality. Mr. Rogers had aired its final episode in August of 2001 and had retired with no plans of returning to television. However, in this moment, PBS invited him to make a series of about four videos that would air on the anniversary of September 11, 2002. This was one of them. You know, it happens so often. I walk down the street and someone 20 or 30 or 40 years old will come up to me and say, you are Mr. Rogers, aren't you? And then they tell me about growing up with the neighborhood and how they're passing on to the children they know what they found to be important in our television work. 
like expressing their feelings through music and art and dance and sports and drama and computers and writing and and invariably we end our little time together with a hug. I'm just so proud of all of you who have grown up with us and I know how tough it is some days to look with hope and confidence on the months and years ahead. But I would like to tell you what I often told you when you were much younger. I like you just the way you are. And what's more, I'm so grateful to you for helping the children in your life to know that you'll do everything you can to keep them safe and to help them express their feelings in ways that will bring healing in many different neighborhoods. It's such a good feeling to know that we're lifelong friends. Fred had this knack for connection, even through a TV screen. He also had this ability to be honest with the neighborhood and make it okay to talk about the hard things. And he had done it multiple times before. Whenever really bad things happened in the world, like the Challenger explosion, he never shied away from having those conversations on his show. And he always remained hopeful, even in the midst of tragedy, just as he did in this clip. But what you don't see is what was said before they started filming. As he sat at the piano preparing for taping, he said to one of his longtime producers, I don't know what good this will do. I don't know what good this will do. I feel like the two followers on their way back to Emmaus felt this same kind of devastation, chaos, and heartache that Fred and so many of us were feeling on that day. I can imagine that they were just as confused as we were. I can imagine that even when they entered Jerusalem for that Passover meal and that weekend or that those days that they were going to be there, this was not what they would be discussing on the way back. I can imagine that this was never even on their radar for this man. In the last 72 hours of these men's life, so much had changed. Their hearts were heavier than the luggage that they carried. And the only thing they knew to do was to recount every little detail of the past few days, just trying to make sense of it. This man who had completely changed their view on the world, someone who challenged everything they knew, someone who was so drawn to the marginalized in society, which was completely outside of social norms, and they challenged them to do the same. Someone who reached out to the sick to heal them, knowing that it could make them unclean, which in that society would not have only hurt their reputation, it also would have made it in, impossible for them to be at the temple immediately following without going and being cleaned. 
someone who took the time to care for others and to be a prophetic voice when no one listened, which let's be honest, often those prophetic voices are not listened to when they are spoken. Someone who loved the children even when they weren't thought about and who invited them to come and be with him. Someone who fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. He was a friend. He was a teacher. And by the end of it, they truly believed him to be the Messiah, the one who everyone had been waiting for, for years, the one who they had talked about, the one who they had looked for, the one who was going to change everything for the Jewish people. And then something happened. A few days ago, he was taken into custody. They still aren't sure what the cause was or what he did wrong, but he still was taken into custody. Then he was taken and he was beaten. And then he was hung on a cross to die, the most painful of death that there was. A death saved for the worst of offenders. And then he was laid in a tomb. This man who they thought was the Messiah was dead. Then several days later, some of the women went to the tomb to find that the stone had been rolled away and that that man wasn't there. But then they come back and tell them that he's alive. And then when somebody goes to look, he's not there. It just doesn't make sense. (laughs) So not only were they heartbroken prior They were even heartbroken even more when Jesus was not there. I don't know about you, but I would have been going through every single detail, just trying to grasp and trying to understand, did we miss something? Was it really as the women said? Why couldn't we understand? Why couldn't we have seen him alive? But then just as they were talking to this unknown stranger who comes up and begins to ask questions, they tell him all that had taken place and they were surprised that he didn't know. And he responds to them, how foolish are you and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah would suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he proceeded to remind him, to remind both of them of the scripture that they had learned as a child, starting at the beginning with Moses and moving through the words of the ancient prophets, reminding them of what was necessary to fulfill scripture. As they finished their conversation, they found themselves close to home. After learning this man was continuing on, they decided to invite him to their home and offered a meal. Talk about radical hospitality. And it's at this table where he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And they realize That this man, the one who reminded them of what the prophet had said, the one who had died, whom the women had said were very much alive, 
was very much alive. At that moment, he disappeared, and they realized they had seen the Lord. In this moment, the men experienced Christ in a way that they had not before. It was a move from this space of hopelessness, of not knowing what to do moving forward, to this space of hope, where there had been resurrection, not just for Jesus, but for the hope that lived within them, that maybe, that maybe something would change. The question becomes, what happens next? What we know is that this experience of Christ set the tone for them to share the gospel. They could not help but share with everyone what they had seen and heard, starting with going back to the disciples to tell them. We know that this now known stranger, Jesus, was willing to step into the moment of pain and confusion with these men on the road. He was willing again to tell them the story. Can you imagine how many times he had told them the stories? Yet he met them where they were and told them again. And then he revealed himself in such a way that challenged everything they knew and telling them exactly who this man was. He was willing to sit with them as they grasped what moving forward looked like. It reminds me of Fred Rogers a bit. As he himself was trying to grasp in that moment what moving forward looked like, when he said, I don't know what good it will do. But then he proceeded to put healing into words, to remind those listening that, hey, we need each other. Your kids need you, and you need one another. He reminds us that we don't have to stay where we are even if it didn't change what happened. He reminded us of the hope of resurrection, even without using any biblical verbiage. We come to this place on the third Sunday of Easter to remember and celebrate this man that they met on their journey to Emmaus. What would it look like for us to allow ourselves to be challenged just as those men were? What would it look like for us to tell the story, not just in this room, but outside of this room? What would it look like to allow Christ to sit with us in our chaos? Even when we are sitting at the piano, and saying, I don't know what good it will do. What would it look like to come to this table this morning to receive this gift of life that Jesus offered the disciples and offers us? 
What would it look like to come to this table and have our eyes opened to some of the things that God is doing that we cannot see? What would it look like to allow God to change us in the way that the men on their journey to Emmaus were changed? Something to think about. In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer, may the people of God say, amen.